Hello and welcome to Walking the Earth Podcast. Wherever you're hearing us from, please do subscribe to us, whether it's iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. Like us on Facebook.com slash Walking the Earth Podcast. And please do follow us on Twitter at WTE Podcast. And of course, check out our website with all these links, WTEPodcast.com. I'm Mike Margulies. Today I'm in Baltimore, Maryland, and I'm being joined by Lauren Miner. Lauren, welcome. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. And so, Lauren, uh, you are, uh, I guess, the, the, one of the authors and the compiler of uh, Juniper Tree. Uh, and so this is a kind of a, a book with several different women travelers' stories, uh, women who have traveled around, and these stories that, you know, like any traveler, these experiences shape us and help us, and so you've kind of gathered a whole bunch of them together in an anthology of sorts. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. So it's a collection of stories by a diverse group of women, women from um, all over the world who have lived all over the world, and really details the moments that really shape them into the people that they are today. Awesome. And so you, um, are these, these are women you've met personally or you reached out to on like the internet or... Um, some of the women I do know personally, but a lot of them um, kind of came through friends. I sent out an email starting with about 50 women um, that I knew had traveled or had friends that had traveled, and I just kind of gauged some interest and saw if you have a story or if you know somebody who has a story, please feel free to put me in touch with them. And so kind of through that network, I, I've really I've met a lot of women actually through Juniper Tree. Yeah, yeah. That's that's actually I can relate to that, like with the podcast too, because it's sort of like, you know, you meet some people you meet in person, but then a guest introduces you to someone else and then you know, and you kind of play off of that and the next thing you know you got this whole network of people and and you're all kind of like playing together and yeah, it's it's really cool how that ends up working out. Exactly. Um, I, I bet I, I, I'm assuming you must have found like I, I certainly with this podcast, um, I I'm similarly talking to a diverse, you know, types of people and but there's still common threads you find right mm-hmm. like so f- are you finding that ultimately like all these women that are different stories unique perspectives commonalities between them I think um, the commonality really comes in just the human experience like we all mm. have moments of fear of of triumph we have moments where we're in love or when we're out of love and it's just really satisfying um, yeah. to hear all these experiences and being able to connect with these women at the different points that they were at their lives. Whether or not you've traveled, the the feelings are the same. Um, right. And so it's really nice to be able to kind of bring those together into one one book. Right. Actually, it's, I think one thing about travel that I found is, uh, yeah, you go through, like you're saying, right, like the same sort of human um, emotions. But in a sense, when you're traveling, it feels like a lot of them are heightened, though, right? And they're happening at such like a faster pace. And right? <laughs> yes, yeah, no, there's that's for sure. Um, I think when you're traveling, um, sometimes things feel way more dramatic than they probably are, right. and maybe they are just as dramatic as you think they are. Um, you know, when you get back and you've got twenty twenty vision on it. Uh, but I think that travel does put an intense pressure on, on, on changing yourself, on being your true self. Um, it puts you in situations that you might not have ever encountered if you were at home. And so it just kind of tests you to test your boundaries, basically. Yeah, yeah, I definitely can, uh, can relate to that because I think most travelers can definitely relate to that because, yeah, you're, like you're saying, you're out there and unexpected happens all the time. And in a sense, like, I don't know, it helps me to just become more comfortable with, like, things happening, you know, and just not everything happens the way you, you want, right, you know? Right. Um, and so that's, and it helps you to and figure out who you are, too, like you yeah. were saying as well, you know? 
um, and you come back and have with that rich experience, right? <laughs> and you can learn. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, for you personally, like, the, I, I'm assuming you, did you, were you contributing yourself to the book as well? I am contributing. My uh, story is not yet uploaded. I'm still working on it. Um, trying to find the same, the right words, um, as right. I know a lot of the women are, um, yeah. that are working on the project. Um, but I can tell you a little bit about what yeah, the story is yeah. that I'm going to write. Um, I'm, I'm writing about this experience where I lost my passport in Bolivia. Well, basically it was stolen. Um, and what do you mean basically it was stolen? <laughs> well, there was a, it was like a 4 a.m. shuffle from the bus getting okay. into La Paz and the the purse like it was put down for a second which I know is like anybody who's listening is like why would you put your purse down it was four in the morning (laughs) (laughs) um and we'd been on this bus for like almost 24 hours so keep that in mind but anyway so so you're a little weary travel weary weary. (laughs) and it's not so much about the experience of how I get a passport um while I'm there visiting you know the U.S. consulate and that sort of thing it's more about Um, what I realized about myself, um, because I needed that passport to get out of Bolivia into Peru, where I was flying back to the States. Um, And just what I realized about myself and what I was really stressed about, which for me, and I don't want to give too much away um, for my story, Mm. but it made me realize that I wasn't upset about losing the passport at all. I attached a lot of other feelings to losing items and what people would perceive me as or what people thought of me Ah, when I lost things right? or when I wasn't perfect. Um, And so that's really what my story captures is that that moment when you really see a a reflection of yourself and you really understand what you're really fearing when, when something goes wrong. That, that's, uh, that's really interesting. Yeah. I I think you're right. Like oftentimes we have, um, we associate something greater, you know, with whatever it is. It's not the thing we lost necessarily. Yeah, it's some meaning to it or what we think someone's going to think of us a lot of times. And so, right. um, yeah, I guess you become more aware of that. Yeah, you know. and I think it's a message that's going to resonate with a lot of women yeah. because women in particular tend to be more um, type A or perfectionists. And, hmm. and so I think that, um, at least I, I know amongst my friends, it's something that we all kind of deal with and, and really... Hmm learn um to work within our own boundaries and kind of explore like our perfectionism and like what how does it hold us back from a lot of things right and so okay so obviously i I don't have the perspective of being a woman um (laughs) but i I mean are you alluding to sort of like uh, i mean obviously women have higher expectations that you know superficially right you wear makeup and do all these things look a certain way so is that you mean like you have the expectation and you put on yourself right to become more perfect yeah absolutely i think there's a a societal expectation in terms of image and Mm. then in terms of performance in the workplace feeling like you have to be a hundred percent all the time and um you know it's the same old story women trying to break the glass ceiling and that sort of thing and our expectation of ourselves to be able to do that and still raise a family and still mm. look great and, and basically be, you know, it's just a million different images of perfection all at the same time. And, and nobody is perfect. Um, and I think that, at least for me, travel not only showed me that nobody is perfect, which, you know, I knew that, but right. I think it helped me understand what I was holding on to in my 
own state of perfectionism. Mm, so did, are you saying like kind of travel allowed you to maybe let go of some of that and say like, hey, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So when I first started writing my story, I thought about taking it in the direction of um, like shedding, you know, my perfectionism, leaving it on the road or whatever, mm. something dramatic and romantic like that. But honestly, I think that it didn't do that. I think what it did was it showed me that I had this unrealistic image of myself, an unrealistic expectation of what I should be accomplishing, of who I was, and it just opened the door. Yeah. And then, you know, coming home, that was like the next adventure for me to actually walk through that door and then start breaking it down. Right. Um, yeah, it's awesome. And I I can definitely relate to that. Obviously, different for me. I don't have the, the women's perspective on this, but uh, there are aspects of that that I can definitely relate to because, you know, uh, for me too, I mean, to, to a different extent, you know, I, I have, uh, you know, images of myself. We all have, like, we're trying to show a version of ourselves, right, to others very often, like, we're, you know, and I think what, uh, what travel helped me to do as well was to kind of figure out who I really am and, like, just be confident in that person, like, more so just come back home, right, and come back home and say, yeah, I am me and there's nothing uh, I have to you don't have to prove anything like is exactly as I am is great and so I think travel for sure helped me to, to do that it sounds like maybe yeah, similar yeah absolutely I think that's that's right on yeah yeah then so you got back so we're we're both now um, in Baltimore you got back uh, when did you get back from your trip I returned in July, okay. just in time so you've been for a little, July, back a little yeah. before me. <laughs> okay, yeah, in time for the fireworks. Yep, yep, and to feel really American, you know, after feeling very un-American. <laughs> <laughs> and this, um, you were coming, this is from the South America uh, trip. Yep, cool. um, uh, yep, I was living for about nine months in Argentina and traveling around, and then um, there was a, an addition, about three months that we spent traveling to Uruguay, Chile, Bolivia, Peru. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, so I mean, you're so you're a bit ahead of me as far as the coming back. You know, I, so I get back um, from my trip to India and Southeast Asia um, in November, and although it still feels like so fresh to me, right? So this is, it's been a few months, but I'm still like, uh, so right now it's it's March, um, and I still it still feels fresh to me, and it, and in a good way, though. Um, I, I guess I'd be interested to hear the perspective of, you know, you've been back for a little bit longer, so, you know, that, do you feel more settled in? Like, what's the process been like, just in general? What's that yeah. you know, homecoming and settling back experience? That's a good question, because um, I feel like when you first get back, everything feels a little bit off, you know? Like, you walk into a kitchen and you're like, dishwasher? What <laughs> is this magical thing? Um, but... It's like, it's taken really quite a few months for me to feel settled back in. Um, and I'll say that it still feels fresh to me, my experience. Like, I probably think of my Argentina trip every day. Mm. Um, and it makes me hungry for my next adventure. Um, right. And it's, I'm sure being a part of this project of Juniper Tree really helps keep it at the forefront of my right. mind. Um, but I'm really most aware of it when I'm seeing people for the first time that I haven't seen in a long time because it's the thing that we talk about. Right. And it's the thing that it's so hard to convey how you changed. Yeah. Um, and people don't really know the questions to ask when it comes that's, to like, that's true. how did this change you? They want to know like, what did you see? Like, what was your favorite food? What was the weirdest thing that you did? Um, 
And those are totally legitimate questions. Yep. yep. But like there's a there's definitely a certain time frame that you need to process your experience. Like if you don't reflect on the time that you had while you were traveling, you're kind of missing out on a large part of that experience. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, absolutely. It's funny you say that because, yeah, I think if you haven't done this kind of extended travel, you might think that it's about yeah seeing the places and uh, you know seeing the landmarks or whatever it is. But um, I know for me, it ultimately was about you know the the people I met, the relationships, and like the experiences uh, more so than any you know uh, landmark I saw or tourist attraction. You know, those things were really kind of secondary to, at least for me, you know, it seems to be a common thread among people, you know. Oh, I completely agree. Um, I think, like, you know, I saw a lot of amazing things in Buenos Aires, but if you ask me about my trip, the things that I want to tell you about are my experience, you know, losing my passport in Bolivia, or I want to tell you about other crazy crazy things that happened from getting to Bolivia to Peru, or people who I met, I just like who really changed who I was or really opened yeah. my mind to different things. Yeah. It's, uh, that's the thing. Like it's a common thread, um, on this show for sure is that it comes to, you know, I keep saying it, like the relationships and all those people you meet and, um, and you get to, you just have that opportunity, right? You get to meet people from all over. I mean, obviously you're, uh, immersed, uh, already, uh, with a, in a different culture. And then you're also surrounded by other travelers from different places. And so, you're just constantly, um, you know, encountering people with different stories and it really challenges you and you, and that somehow I always find there's like a lot more in common than there is separate, you know, like every person I'm meeting traveling, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I mean, you meet many people, uh, I mean the, the reason why they've chosen to travel, for Mm. example, or, um, what, just the fact that they love to travel, like if you are on the road and somebody else is on the road, chances are you both are craving new experiences and new opportunities, and there's a conversation right there that, of course, can be shared over some, you know, alfajores or a cerveza, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, there is, like, there's some sort of, like, um, yeah, an inherent similarity between you, right? Yeah, if you are a traveler and you meet someone's traveler, yeah, they could be from, uh, you know, they could be from Germany or um, they could be from uh, South Africa, whatever, and, but you're gonna, yeah. There even still, you're gonna have like some kind of, um, some kind of shared thread with each other because you have that mm-hmm. that that spirit inside of you that, and so you, you're like kin somehow. Like, yeah. And you, it's all I find that funny. Like traveling, you'd I'd sit down at a random hostel, right? And then I was, I would make best friends immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, oh, we're so like. <laughs> and I think expats look out for one another. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's a community there that everybody knows that when you're traveling either by yourself or even just with another friend, you know, you're, you're out there to explore. You you may be putting yourself out there for the first time, and so people kind of want to help you yep. just as much as they want to feel comforted and make a connection with another human being. I just felt like there were so many people along the way who wanted to make sure that my travel experience was a success. Yeah, absolutely. And did you speak uh, Spanish as well? Uh, I do, poorly, but... (laughs) (laughs) Un poquito. (laughs) Yes. Uh, I mean, so if you're traveling through South America, uh, having a little bit of Spanish background, though, uh, I'm sure helped to also integrate with the locals a little bit in uh, in that way as well. Yeah. uh, I mean, so I, um, yeah, I would would like to, I've been to South America, but only for a short trip. I'd like to go back and maybe uh, uh, practicar mi español a little bit. Um, 
I think that'd be a good experience. Um, I mean, did you find uh, when I was I, I picked up on some of the languages uh, a little, even less than I know Spanish. You know, traveling in Asia and stuff. But I found that to be. I guess I'm thinking uh, it'd be a really nice experience. Uh, I'd be interested to pick your brain a little bit about what it's like. You know, if I were to go to, to, to South America uh, with a little bit of Spanish background, that'd be really cool to get a little bit deeper into you know making friends with locals and um, you know, deeper relationships. That is. Yeah, um, so it's interesting. So I came to uh, South America with some Spanish background. My boyfriend who was traveling with me had no Spanish background. And he started trying to do some Rosetta Stone right. and, like once we got down there. And it's and it's interesting. Like You definitely pick it up yep. along the way. And the important phrases like, I need a drink or where's the bathroom, yeah. like, you'll pick those up really <laughs> right. quickly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Necesito una cerveza. <laughs> una vez más. Um, and so it's it's amazing. I will say that one thing that's hard, um, particularly in South America, where people really, they do want to learn English. Mm. Um, so I found a lot of natives did not want to talk Spanish with me. Uh, if they could practice their English, they right. were going to go for it. And then there's also, if you do hang out in the expat community, English tends to be right. the universal language. Well, it's language. become this, like, international language, yeah. um, which is really convenient for, uh, for Americans us, like but... us, right? <laughs> yeah, because we can essentially go, like, and it's very convenient. Almost anywhere in the world you can go, and you could get by mm-hmm. um, with English. I mean, maybe there's some, I'm sure there's some places that would be more difficult, but by and large, most of the world now, you're going to find, yeah, within the expat community and even within the locals, uh, there will be people that, uh, particularly if they're in tourism areas and everything, right. they're going to... Yeah. I always feel a little bit guilty about that, you know, yeah. like, you know, when you're sitting next to somebody from Germany who speaks five languages, and right. they're like, well, I had to learn all these languages, and you're like, well, I kind of get by in my English. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's sort of, um, uh, yeah, it's kind of a blessing and a curse at the same time, I would say, because, yeah. yeah, on the one hand, it's, it's really convenient, I know uh, English is my first language, I can go around and I already know it, but at the same time, it's like, shit, I... Yeah, I only really can speak English. This. Yeah, you just. <laughs> I wish I was forced. <laughs> I feel like the least talented expat, you know. Right. In a community, when you're like, oh, you're from France, you're from Germany, like, you know, they're from all over the place, yeah. and they're like, oh, of course I speak six languages. Right. And like, oh. <laughs> yeah, and then like, uh, and if you're hanging out, say with, uh, I don't know, some French or German backpackers, or like, you know. They can have like a secret language in code. Like, <laughs> so, like talk with each other. <laughs> I don't have a secret code I can talk to anyone in. <laughs> yeah, no, I just have to make facial expressions and. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> or speak poor Spanish. <laughs> yeah, right. But you know, I guess you, as you went along, I'm sure you, you picked up some more. Um, definitely. Yeah, yeah. No, my Spanish definitely improved. Um, I think. Uh, because I was there for so long, I probably should have invested in some tutorials um, mm. from like a, a local. But I kept being like, no, nah, I'll be okay. I got my Rosetta Stone to remind me, and I've got, you know, friends, and we'll go out to bars, and I'll have a drink, and I'll be fine. I'll just start picking up and remembering my Spanish. But I think that. Um, if I was going to stay there longer in my next year, I really would have focused on learning the language because mm. it opened so many more doors. Like I would say that um, the the people of Buenos Aires were very friendly and open to me and I they really worked with me when I was struggling to say something. But if I could have made just a little bit more of an effort, mm. like a whole new world of possibilities would have opened up to me. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I mean, for me, I spent most of the time, more time in Thailand than anywhere else, and, you know, I picked up a little bit of Thai, but for sure, uh, 
similarly, if I go back to Thailand, if and when I go back, I, I just say, you know, uh, I will spend more time uh, trying to learn more of the language and integrating more. Because, uh, yeah, the more you can know, the, the easier it is to integrate. And uh, it, it, the experience becomes just more exciting, too, because you're going around and you're picking up on little pieces more of what's going on around you on, like, the day-to-day. -day. Right. And also, you learn, like, the, with the language, it's... Uh, I started to see how the culture and the language kind of go together, you know? Right. And so, like, and you start to pick up on things like, oh, okay, I understand, because you, you know, don't have a word for this, but you have, you know, and you can understand why. It's fascinating to start to understand more. Uh, yeah, definitely. The cultural expressions, yeah, the yeah. way that they phrase things as opposed, you know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, um, so I found that aspect's really interesting. Um, I mean, so, I mean, for you, uh, you, you spent most of your time in Buenos Aires. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, uh... I guess I'm interested, like, what about Buenos Aires? I've never been to Buenos Aires myself. Um, what about Buenos Aires was attractive to you as a place to, you know, base up for some time? That is a good question because while we thought we did a lot of research, we really did none. Um, <laughs> well, you don't need to, right? You can just, like, kind of wing it. That's the beauty of it. <laughs> right. So... <laughs> We were thinking, like, we put, we made a list of things that were important to us. We wanted a nice climate, a place that was pretty sunny all year round, um, a place that was on the water because we assumed that there would be good seafood. We wanted a place that was kind of relatively close to other countries, so mm. if we could travel, we could do that easily. Um, things like that. Oh, language. We wanted a country where the language is a little bit more obtainable. Okay. Um, we felt like, you know, we considered Japan, but... Right. Our ability to pick up Japanese would probably be a lot slower. So we right. thought as our first big travel abroad trip, we should probably try something a little bit more manageable. So those were the reasons that we yeah. chose Buenos Aires. We get down there, and I have to say, we got down there in uh, September of 2013, and it was cold. It was like 30, 40 degrees, and we had not brought any winter clothes. It was windy <laughs> and raining for, like, that first month that we were there. Now, granted, that is unusual for Buenos Aires. Yeah. Um, but we were like, oh, my God, what the fuck did we decide right. to do? Like, <laughs> like why are we here? <laughs> so um, it's wintertime over there, right? Cause yeah. Because the seasons are opposite. Yeah, so, yeah. so it was starting to be spring. Right. But we were like, oh, my <laughs> God, this is not what we expected. Um, and, and I will say this, um, Buenos Aires does not have great seafood, which was a huge oh, really? bummer to me because I, I love good seafood. And so we were ex like, sushi is a very important part of my life. Right. And, well, uh, uh, Japan would have been a good choice for that. It would have been. It totally <laughs> would have been. Um, but you know, and we just thought that Argentina would have a, a bigger handle on the sushi industry. Oh, okay. But I don't know why we thought that. That was just silly and ridiculous. Um, but we found other things well, to love. Well, interestingly, about, about I found Buenos sushi. Uh, I found sushi in Thailand, which I wasn't really expecting to find. You know. Well, I mean, I'll say you can find sushi in Argentina. It's just it's mostly cream cheese. Oh. Okay. <laughs> it's like seaweed, <laughs> rice, cream cheese, okay. and like maybe some imitation crab. Right. Just right. The, the quality isn't there. But that's just, it's their palates, you know. Things like that. And seafood in general is not very common in Buenos Aires. If you go to huh. Ushuaia, which is like the most southern tip of Argentina, mm. they do excellent seafood. Okay. You made a trip out there. Yeah, yeah. Had to go to the end of the world, you know. That's true, yeah. Is that the place <laughs> where you can, like, um, see Antarctica from? Or is that... 
Um, you can take a boat that will, like, yeah, then you can go. It's like a five-day boat trip, which we missed by three days. The last uh, boat going out to Antarctica, which we were told, like, we were ready to put down the money. We're like, when else are we going to have this experience? And we missed the last boat by uh, three days. But, you know, we still got to see penguins and seals. and. Oh, so there, you can see them, they they hang out? Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, they're on the southern really? tip. Yeah, I did there. not know that. Yeah. Oh, uh, sweet. Yeah, yeah, it's a really cool place. I loved Ushuaia, and the food was amazing, and um, just, like, and if you love backpacking and, like, hiking and really seeing natural wonders, right. skiing, yeah. uh, Ushuaia has got it all. That's awesome. Yeah, so you were there, uh, I, I'm assuming, though, you were there when it was... Um, like this summertime, like in December-ish. Uh, you were going to go to Antarctica, you wouldn't go into uh, maybe a little bit warmer, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so the, the reason why we missed the last boat was because we were at the end of the summer season close to the, okay. the fall season, and so they have to stop it at a certain point. because It's like it too cold? It gets too cold and it gets dangerous with icebergs and okay. that sort of thing. They still have skiing at that time? Like in the summertime there? It's... Not, um... So where we were, it was all mountainous, and so they okay. have all the ski slopes there, which they usually convert into, like, you know, just, like, you can go on the, I don't, I've never been skiing, so whatever uh, oh. the, the thing Okay, is. so you didn't go skiing there. Was... I did not go skiing, <laughs> uh, but they have it there, and it's, like, really well known to, like, go skiing. Okay. And, yeah. Uh, nice. Um, but we went hiking. Right, I was going to say, did... usually Colorado thing is a similar thing, right? Yeah, like, we converts. did some, like, all-terrain vehicle activity, and yeah. it was really, really fun. Oh, Awesome. So with all this uh, awesome experience, what is uh, something else you'd want to do in your life um, that you haven't done yet? I, um, so I'm torn. I've always wanted to travel in Africa. Like since I was a little girl, I've dreamed mm. about going on safari. Um, but I think I'm more interested right now in going to Southeast Asia. I really want to go to Bali and I just... Yeah. I don't know, there's something about that culture that really draws me in. Yeah. And so um, the safari can wait. I think if you gave me a million dollars tomorrow or even just enough for a round-trip ticket, I would choose um, probably Southeast Asia and starting in Indonesia and, and moving my way through. Yeah. Well, you can do them both, you know. Why yeah. not? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, those are actually two things that are on my list, actually, also. I've never been to Africa, mm -hmm. and I, would, I definitely am intending to go to Africa at some point. I don't know where or when exactly. But that's there, and um, obviously I've been to Southeast Asia, but Indonesia is the one spot I did not hit yet. Bali in particular, I've been, Bali has been on my mind, and so I have this, it's really funny because I have a very similar set of uh, uh, places to go and do, things to yeah. do. Um, I'm hoping maybe to hit Bali later this year um, at some point. For yeah. now, I think stillness is a good thing for me. Uh, yeah, at least a little bit. <laughs> you need breaks. I feel like yeah. travel in itself is an adventure, but there always gets to be a point where the adventure becomes just going home. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. I, I mean, I would say that um, in many ways, the the return home was the most intense and craziest part of the whole experience for me. You know, like coming back home with new eyes. And, uh, yep. Yep. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's it. I mean, that's the thing. So you come back and you know that you've changed and you have a hard time necessarily vocalizing those mm. differences in yourself. And I think other people suspect them and it's, it's sometimes hard. I don't know to like, to just take off, take up the relationships where you left them off. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think it helps bring a lot of clarity and kind of like um, substance to your relationships, but there's definitely a moment where you're like, I feel so different. Does yeah. anybody else like realize it? And do they right. still appreciate me in the same <laughs> way? Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of like, um, yeah, cause when you're a, abroad, right. And you meet new people, you already are automatically that 
that new person mm-hmm. and then they see you as only that new person immediately and you come home and yeah people are gonna at first or you know think of you as the person you were when you left maybe you know and, right and yeah i know what you mean like internally you feel so different although i think with, over time people eventually start will take i mean not even that you have to just explain it like oh i'm different because of this way but I think eventually people like you, you're at, you're acting differently, right? You can't even help it, even if you didn't want to act differently. Like, right. you know, you're gonna be acting different, and people eventually say, "Oh wow, something's different." Huh? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I have different interests. Like, for example, I was mildly into yoga before I went to Argentina, mm. but I um, started taking classes at this place called Buena Onda um, in Buenos Aires, and it's a fabulous yoga studio. But it really kind of changed my perspective about what yoga could be in in my life and. Um, it helped me develop a practice, which mm. I feel super kooky and weird saying, but, um, Why is that? no, it's cool. I, yeah, no, I mean, I really, I love that that's now a part of my life and yeah. it's something that I do. Um, but I know that that's like, that is something very concrete that is different about me and it changes the way I interact with others because yeah. of my yoga practice. That's a common, a, a lot of people, it's a very common thread I find like you know, getting into yoga or meditation, these kind of practices after coming back from a trip, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, maybe it's the types of people that are the explorers, you know, traveling the world. You're also kind of, uh, I mean, I think of yoga and meditation as you're kind of like, you know, consciousness exploration of sorts, right? So you're mm-hmm. sort of, um, it makes sense that these kind of go together, right? Yeah, it's the reflection. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. And so I, myself, like, I've been kind of uh, seeking out some, I went to a little bit of meditation stuff. I'm trying to find, I'm having difficulty finding a regular meditation group, but if I can't find them, I'll just make it here. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's something that, I can relate to it for sure. I mean, for, yeah, the meditation yoga thing coming back is, I think it's a good thing to have in life. It helps a lot. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so folks that um, want to find your uh, book, they would go to leanpub.com is the best place for it. Well, there's kind of two websites. There is our junipertreebook.com, which okay. is actually where you can read about some of the authors, you can read some of the stories for free if All you right. want to get a little bit of a taste yeah, of like what's preview. going on. Um, and kind of gives you an overview of the book itself. And it does have a link to the Lean Pub site, okay. um, leanpub.com slash juniper tree. And that's the place where you can actually purchase the book. Um, and yeah, and you can also see samples there too if you really want to get a taste of what's going on um, between the pages. Awesome. And Juniper is J-U-N-I-P-E-R. Uh, and all the, uh, what I'll do for folks, though, who are listening, uh, as always, I will compile the links um, to the ways to find you uh, on our website. So each web, each episode comes with a show notes and blog write-up at wtepodcast.com. So you can go there, and I will have the links for you to find Juniper Tree and to find Lauren. Is, are you on, like, Twitter or anything else that you want to blast out to people? We are on Twitter. Okay. Um, that would be at Juniper Tree Book. Okay. Cool. And, and Facebook, also Juniper Tree Book. Awesome. And so uh, find, find Lauren and Juniper Tree there. The links will be on the show notes of this episode at wtepodcast.com. Um, yeah, uh, thank you, Lauren, for coming on the show. It was really awesome chatting with you. No, thank you for having me. It was really great. And um, I hope that if you're listening and this sounds like a book that's interesting to you, then please reach out whether you have a story or you're just interested in learning more. I'm always available and ready to answer questions yeah i mean if someone wants to contribute a story should they email you what's the best way to get in touch um yeah so on the website you there is a a spot where you can actually get in contact with me um 
and, on, on the Lean Pub website. Um, Actually, that's yeah. how I got in touch yep, with you. You can do it on the Lean Pub website. You can also do it on the web um, on the JuniperTreeBook.com website. Oh, yeah. Either one has links to my uh, email address. And Lauren's pretty responsive. That's how I got in touch. I, I <laughs> filled out the little box and said, "Hey, uh, you know." So I go there, and she'll be happy and friendly and responsive. And especially if you have a great travel story as a female traveler. <laughs> I'll be nice to you if you're a man. Even if you're a man, she's nice to me. So, <laughs> um, Awesome. And so folks listening, um, if you like this, what you're hearing here, you can hear more uh, stories and uh, conversations with other travelers uh, doing different uh, things. Uh, our uh, show, Walking the Earth Podcast, is on SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher. Subscribe at any of the above places. You can find us on Facebook or on Twitter at WTE Podcast. And again, our website is WTEPodcast.com. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. And Lauren, thank you again for uh, stopping in and having a chat. Um, and for now, we will say hasta luego from Baltimore, Maryland.